Welcome to this special bonus edition of the Three Thirds Mike, One Third Scouse podcast. Uh, so in today's podcast, uh, we're going to be discussing what plans are in place to get the football season on again, and we'll take a look at how the rest of the sporting world is dealing with the lockdown. Uh, so Ross, the rumours are that football will begin again on the 6th of June behind closed doors. Uh, are you happy with that? 6th of June? 6th of June. What's that, two months? No, it's a bit too late for me, but... Uh, if that's the only safest time we can have it, then, then yeah. I mean, the sooner the better, really. Like I say, if, if 6th of June's the earliest they possibly can do, which I'm sure money will talk a lot in football, that's when they will be looking, then, yeah, at least um, at least it's not dragging on and on and on. And um, what's the timescale to get the season finished? What is it? How many days? So six, six weeks. Six weeks. So then... <clears throat> Six weeks, Texas. We've obviously the uh, the Euros cancelled, aren't they? Well, postponed till next um, next year. Next. That Texas to what the middle of July, which isn't that bad. Which then allows you to have a summer break, kind of, and then for the for the next season to start up um, as normally as possible. Which I think is one of the crucial things in all this. The fact that if if you start if you start delaying it and delaying it and delaying it, and I know you'll never want the stories, uh, the seasons to be voided, Jeddah, but if you start delaying it and delaying it, delaying it, and so it gets to like September, October before you start bringing the season back around, how is that going to impact going forward and forward and forward? Because you, you've got all these competitions that need to be played at some point that need to be fitted in the schedule. It's going to be an absolute, it's going to be a, it's going to be impossible to, to suddenly reorganise everything to fit it into this new new time period. So Yeah, well, they've said the six, and I don't know. I mean, they've said obviously six weeks, but I don't know what obviously that means in terms of Europe because obviously like Manchester City is still in Europe. So what does that mean for them? So they're going to be playing three games a week for the next six weeks. I'm pretty sure they're not. Pretty sure they're not going to want to do that. Like, it's not just City that's still in Europe. All right, all right. <laughs> the Europa League still counts. Well, it might. Well, if we have to finish the season in six weeks, it might it might be more of a hindrance for you rather than a help. Well, well, everyone wants to see how, how Atletico Madrid get on in the Champions League this year. Yeah, they, they, they do this year. You're absolutely right. <laughs> I hope they win it. <coughs> Anyone um, could win it now, apart from City. But yeah, I just say if if that's if that's the earliest it needs to get back, then that's fine. But I agree, the the season needs to be condensed into the smallest time possible to get everything done. And even if they cancel, if they cancel Champions League, if they cancel all the European competitions, and just say right, sort your domestic leagues out, and then we'll go again next season. And to be honest, I won't be against that because I think at least you've got everyone would be happy with domestic football still, just any football happening, so they wouldn't be. I don't think there'd be a real outcry for finding out who won the Champions League this year, to be honest, or who won the Europa League. <clears throat> and then you just start again next, with hopefully pressing the reset button at the end of this season, saying, right, we start again as a fresh next season. Well, there was talk at one point about having the um, the Champions League, Europa League, just having it all like sorted out inside like a week or something, wasn't it? Like they were just going to put it on mm-hmm. somewhere, you know, right at the end of the season. What are they down, are they down to the last eight now? Yeah, but then Europa League, aren't they? No, they're they're not, really... The, not all of because the Champions League's not played in the same week anymore. It's played over the course of about three weeks. City didn't play. Yeah. 
some some games were played the week after, so they were they were postponed. So there's not even it's not even like there's only eight teams. Well, the half teams. Through around, yeah, yeah. But the other thing, a lot of a lot of uh, people have started to talk about now is now that there's kind of uh, dates and times of when obviously the football season should resume. That it's um, they need a pre-season because they've had such a they had such a long. Well, yeah, this is the thing, isn't it? Yeah, they're going to yeah, but... June. That's a long. That's that's as much as it is. No football as having as well not as having football, but that's as much of a time you would normally get for finishing the season. Well, I mean, Jose, those, those Jose, first players might have jogged around the park, haven't they? I was going to say, Jose Mourinho's been having one, hasn't he? <laughs> he saw, he saw, he saw Tanguyen Dombele, and then the next day, in the next day, he just happened to see Deli Ali on his birthday. I thought, come on, Jose, you're, just, you're kidding here. What's it out? I mean, the, the the back gardens must be massive. Why do they have to choose a park to meet in? Absolute idiot. Well, the thing is, once they decided to go outside, they might as well just drive around to the training ground. Like, why yeah, exactly, yeah. Park? And who's going to think check at the go training ground? Go to a park where you full spurs kit. I mean, the, the phrase <laughs> hiding place. No, no, no journalists are going to go to the training grounds at the minute. Are they checking just in case there's any staff there? Because they know there won't be any. So go there and have a full training session if you're going to do it. I mean, I'm not endorsing going against the government guidelines, but... But yeah, I think I mean, thing is, I, I reckon if it does, you know, if it's sixth of June, you probably players probably will need a few weeks beforehand to, to get up to speed. And the trouble is, whatever you do, there's what there's, there's going to need to just be sort of goodwill from people, and you know, a sensible approach of going, yeah, you know, you're not going to be fully match fit. It is going to be unfair, you know. You know, you're going to have to play three times a week. I like that. Idea. Sorry, like go on. I like the idea of Premier League footballers having to be like Sunday League footballers, just yeah. <laughs> turning up fat and hungover for the first game of the season. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's been broadcast all over BT and Sky with Gary never laying into everyone. <laughs> it had a real Sean, sense of... Sean Dyche just having a ring around on Saturday morning to see if we can get anyone in. <laughs> oh, shit, we're going to have to stick the seven-year-old kit man in there because who's not... <laughs> Nick Pope's going to write Bender last night. <laughs> I just, I just think that'd be brilliant. Just like a fat Nemanja Matic just running around Old Trafford. It'd be amazing. I don't know how long, how long would you have to give for a pre-season though. Well, they, well, you get... think, they should be able to keep the fitness up, shouldn't they? They should all be on Joe Wicks. Yeah, they normally well, come back in July, don't they? Normally come back in um, either late June or early July. So you're talking what? It's normally four weeks, but then obviously there's um, well, they're still trained, but obviously they're flying all around the world more often than not, aren't they? To um, to different events in different countries and stuff like that. So obviously that isn't going to happen this year. Well, one, I think that'll be an issue. So I think whenever we do actually end this season, and then there'll be a very short time between the end of this season and the start of the next. And I think I think it's quite lucrative all these summer tours. I actually think pre-season, the one way football's changed is that pre-season not that much to do with getting your players prepared for the season, and much more to do with oh let's go and have a game in front of however many people in America or in China or whatever, and try and generate as much money as possible. And that, that that's going to be heavily truncated. I don't quite know how football clubs will get around that. When well, it comes I, I I totally agree. There's there's so many made up cups for pre season, isn't there? That ha- that happens. Um, Used to be the only thing Arsenal. When was the Audi Cup? I think wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. 
But yeah, what are they going to do? And but your thing is, what you what we don't know as well is how many. There, there must be some smaller clubs that kind of bank on that money being there from them big pre-season tours that sees them through for a lot of the season. So how financially impacting it is on a lot of the teams will be unknown as well, won't it? Yeah. No how do you feel any... about how do you feel about all the players being do you think that everybody in the NHS will be tested by June? Because surely they're not gonna they're not gonna allow for sport to can to carry on or for all the players to be tested before everybody in the NHS is actually hey, tested. Look, if, if Kenny Dalgleish can get tested with showing no symptoms, then I'm pretty sure that all professional athletes can get tested. I'm not having to go with Kenny Dalgleish for getting tested, but why was he tested? <laughs> he, was in te- he, was, he was tested because he was in hospital. Apparently, that's the protocol now. If, you go, if you're in hospital with something, I think he was in hospital with um, something else, but because he was there, he was, he was tested because he was in hospital. And that's when they found out that so he didn't have any symptoms. That was it. So he was he was kept in for he was kept in overnight, I think. Um, but he didn't have any symptoms. That was the whole point. He didn't go into hospital because he had um, symptoms. He he went in for something else completely different. And it like, turned out still, that he still um, Kate he still wake up with flashbacks about how much money he paid for Andy Carroll. Oh, well, I don't know. Probably that's, that's, that's one of the, one of the that's things. That's why he was in hospital. He'd have one of those flashbacks. <laughs> He, said, he went, oh, my heart. God. Oh, Andy. Oh. They, they, I, think, I think the night before, actually, they'd shown Andy Carroll scoring two goals on his, on his first two goals for Liverpool against Manchester City. I think that was... Uh... <laughs> Just think, Andy Carroll was the, was the bigger signing than Luis Suarez, wasn't he, at the time? Yeah. Well, I think I think the whole the whole point with Newcastle, they, they basically said that whatever whatever we paid for... Um, Torres, they wanted fifteen million pound less. So it, the the more and more Chelsea paid for Torres, the more and more we would have had to pay for Andy Carroll. I think that was always the that was always the agreement. So if, if Chelsea would have ended up paying sixty million pound for Torres, then we would have ended up paying forty five million pound for Andy Carroll. I think that was ultimately how the deal got over the line. So I mean, what gets you with that? Like just from terms of a planning point of view, if you think of like a philosophy of style of play, Fernando Torres, the way he plays, quick, like quite skillful on the ball. Okay, we're replacing with Andy Carroll, big lump who can edit. Not yeah, but really. we got we got the they got the player that they wanted to. In they, they didn't have that's the player that Liverpool didn't have. They got the player that they wanted. It's Suarez. Suarez was a was a replacement for Torres. And, I mean, I like the way you're trying to defend the Andy Carroll signing here, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, this is admirable. You keep telling ardent Liverpool fan defending an Andy Carroll signing at the time. It was a great signing. He was. Yeah. He, it was unplay. It was practically unplayable for for Newcastle scoring yeah. goals right at centre, and then he came to us and he couldn't he couldn't score. And yeah, that's not the first time Liverpool signed a striker that has scored goals at. I mean, Christian Benteke scored goals for Aston Villa. Yeah, but- he was the world here, Aston Villa. He couldn't he couldn't put the ball in there for Liverpool. But Jesus, you've got the benefit of hindsight now, and you're still <laughs> defending the signing. Yeah, but it, that was that, it was a great it was a great signing at the time. <laughs> great. <laughs> <laughs> What are your views on the sign of Hossamy? Do you still stand by that? Or? No, Liverpool didn't need a Hossamy at the time. At the time, Liverpool needed somebody like Andy Carroll. It just didn't, it didn't work out at all. Liverpool didn't need a Hossamy at the time. What time did you need a Hossamy? No, I'm, I didn't say that. I'm saying that Hossamy wasn't, Hossamy wasn't somebody that we needed another right back. Whether we signed him or not, it wouldn't have really mattered. Oh, yeah. Anyway, what were you saying? 
We've got sidetracked by Andy. What we, what we talked about, we've got sidetracked by Andy Kimball. Oh, testing. Testing's good. Well, I mean, yeah, hopefully by the 6th of June, they'll just be on top of testing. They'll be just testing I mean, on mass, won't it? You would assume so. You, I mean, hopefully by the 6th of June anyway, that you'd think we'd be over the peak and we'd be on the, the downward side of the curve for the pandemic and things will, should be starting to get back to some kind of normality. Like, you, you, would, you would hope that, like, maybe some shops will be open and you'd be allowed to go into the streets or... So then, do you think it's going to be a kind of a big change for football in general? I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of talk in the in the press of obviously. Well, there's not there's not so much talk about transfers, but um, obviously, Jaden Sancho has been talked about, and um, Harry Kane obviously this week has been talked about both both deals to United. Um, do you think the kind of money two hundred million for Kane and one hundred and twenty million for Sancho? It's an awful lot of money for for a lot of teams that um, that are going to lose an awful lot of money for um, this well, season. Would- I was also thinking about this. Like, you think like clubs are taking a financial hit all the way down the footballing ladder, aren't they? All the way down the pyramid, and even like some, not to a, a, as big an extent, but teams at the bottom of the Premier League will be taking more of a financial hit than like United, City, Liverpool, all the all the top teams. Um, do you think now is the right time to? Now there has been a big pause and a big kind of like we can have a think to introduce a salary cap. I just don't oh, think it might happen. I think the trouble with the salary cap is it only works if everyone does it. Like, yeah, but, but my point is, yeah, no, I agree. But my point, my point is now because there is this kind of like your like worldwide kind of period of stop. There, there is, a, there is an element that you can you can start talking about the things that wouldn't be able to be talked about during n- normality because you, it's just never going to be introduced. But now we're in this period, and you can say, look the chances are that there is going to be something like this that happens again. How are we going to cope with it? Well, if we keep spending, if we keep offering half a million pound of wages a week, that is not viable that's going forward. And we're not going to be able to afford that going forward. So surely these are the, these are the moments where you should be introducing the things that are the most radical, the most like out there ideas that you can actually have a sensible, well, not sensible, but you can have a, have a discussion about them and see. But I, I just don't think there's much will towards doing that. I, just, I don't think anyone wants... Uh, who, who wants that? Lower league clubs, probably, so they can compete. Do they? I mean, the thing is, if you put a maximum salary in, I mean, it's not going to... It only affects... I mean, I've, football clubs. You, you've, yeah, but you've watched um, Sunderland till I die, haven't you? Yeah, well, well, yeah, but I'm, I'm saying I'm saying for every Sunderland there is a football club that's got quite a richer and you know Salford wouldn't want there to be a maximum salary. No, I'm not saying that. But my point, but you, not everyone's got that, has there? There's a lot more teams than just the ten teams that have got rich owners that can afford to pay it. And more and more in financial fair play, you can't just have a big a, a wealthy owner pump money in left, right, and centre. City have found that out, haven't they? Well, I don't. I just don't, I don't think much demand. I I don't think I, I think you, you think about all the um, uproar there's been about getting clubs to agree on um, giving money to the NHS or clubs um, getting everybody to agree to taking a pay cut. I, you, you can't even uh, get it to them agree within clubs. Never mind that get every single player of every club to agree to a salary cap. And, and what is what is the salary cap? Because then, yeah, if you I, almost if you almost say that it's it's because you've almost got to find a common ground, then that is it Manchester City that get the salary cap, or is it a Norwich no, that get? I the, think, no, I then, think 
you you find who's earning the most money, who's getting the most amount of money a week in the world, yeah? So say say it's, I don't know, someone in China getting £600,000 a week, yeah? That's the cap. We can't go any higher, because all, all we'll just end up doing is going higher and higher and higher than that. We'll just keep doing that. So we cap it there. And why would, you do, why would anyone do that? Why would why the people in China agree to do that? Well, they, they wouldn't have to, because if you're living in a democracy, if everyone votes against China, everyone's voting against China. So they're the rules, aren't they? Are they? What happens if China say, no, we're going to carry on? I don't think the world is a democracy. <laughs> Surely if FIFA imposed some laws... Yeah, but you've got to get everybody to agree. And if, and if China ignored them, what would you do? Well, they, they, they're expelled. They can't play football. <laughs> They can't, sign play- they can't legitimately sign players. Yeah, all right, well, I look forward to when you're going around Beijing taking football off people. Just call me Giovanni and Fantano. And then... <laughs> I just don't see how it can work. And, and I also, I think the other thing is, it's really, I think, I think people will just sort of cheat the way that they pay footballers. You know, they'll be paying them in different ways. Yeah, but it's very hard, be, to, it? very hard to enforce. Yeah, they're just getting paid image rights or something. So they get around it in Brazil, isn't it? A lot of it, a lot of it is just sponsorship rights. So you think about um, Pogba and Adidas and United and stuff. You got you, you almost kind of think there must be the amount of money, merchandising money that Adidas get from Paul Pogba. There, there must have been surely there must have been something around him coming back to United who were who play in an Adidas kit that. Like said, like like Simon said, there's there's all, there's all sorts of different things. I think that's how the Brazilian league is funded. The Brazilian league don't they don't have a lot. They get, they get a huge crowd, but they don't get an awful lot of money from TV rights or anything like that. So a lot of it is when some of the bigger players go back, they're all sponsored by whoever it is that sponsors the kit or um, sponsors of the club, and and that's how that's how it's that's kind of how it's all funded. Yeah, but that's fine. I'm not bothered about that. But what I'm saying is clubs clubs financially can't can't support these. Massive wage bills. I just think we. I just think the, the amount that footballers get paid. Yeah, it's not their fault. I'm not saying it is their fault. If you, if I could get paid five hundred thousand pounds a week for playing football, I'd take it because you'd take, you'd take the pay cut, leave your current job, and do that, wouldn't you? <laughs> I would do. Yeah. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, it's that there isn't that much money flying around that. There's not going to be all that's going to happen is it's going to end up coming down more and more. It's going to filter down through to um, people paying for Sky and BT or people paying for things another way. It's, it's going to filter down to the consumer eventually. And to keep everything in check and to keep everything financially viable, player wages are one of probably the biggest biggest expenditures in a club's club's bill. There has to be some kind of realism that's saying we can't keep going. What's that? What's that start in the champion? What's that? I don't know. I don't think that happened. Yeah, I, I, I think, think that say say you cut player wages, so football teams weren't paying as much on footballers' wages. I, I really don't think those football teams would turn to Sky and say, "Oh, tell you what, let's make it cheaper for people to watch." They'd think, oh. "Result, we've saved a bit more, more money here. <laughs> we can pay extra dividends to the Glazers this year." Yeah, but even the way the even the way the TV packages are distributed through the league aren't equal, though, are they? No, but that's not connected to players' wages. No, but what I'm saying is, let's take Burnley, for instance. I've mentioned them a lot tonight for no reason other than just not a very fashionable team. 
Burnley aren't going to get as much TV money as they are thingy. So if they, and I'm not saying they pay a hell of a lot on player wages either, but if they could save money and then they could they could start competing in different ways by attracting different players, and I just don't think it's fair that you suddenly get a rich owner, then you can start. No, Burnley are an example of a club that have ran themselves well and had a lot of success because because of it. And if anything, you know, Burnley have gained because clubs yeah, around but... them have made an absolute mess. You know, well, when yeah, but... Blackburn mess up, that works out well for Burnley, and it's a, a sort of yeah. But you mm-hmm. say they've had success. How much success have they had? Really? Well, they got into they got well, into they've been an established Premier League club for three or four years. This is this is the, the high point of Burnley's history. They got into Europe, didn't they? I know they got knocked out by Aberdeen, but they still got into Europe. Yeah. Yeah, but that's that. But all right, we we look back on a season where we got knocked out by Aberdeen in the European Cup. You, you, no, but now you're, you're basically questioning the point of football. I mean, <laughs> aside from four or five teams that win the Champions League every year, no one achieves anything. <laughs> I mean, what no, more I, could Burnley achieve in a different financial structure? No, I agree, but I mean, I maybe. So maybe it's because of like a, I've watched one of the all or nothing like documentaries on um, on the NFL, but they they have a very different system, don't they, in terms of how and it's all apart from the New England Patriots over recent years. There's no it doesn't tend to be one team that wins everything consistently. And I know that sounds a bit stupid coming from United fan who dominated through the nineties and noughties, really. But it just there is never going to be. If we keep having this, this oh, rich teams can pay, 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 pay. You, I know we've had a Leicester, which kind of goes against the argument what I'm saying, but you're never going to have a Leicester again, are you? you, you realistically, you're never going to have an... It's not going to happen. But a key component to saying, let's just evenly distribute the money and, you know, you know if you finish first, then maybe you get last pick next time. I'm not, saying even, I'm not saying evenly distribute. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that there will be rich clubs and there will be poor clubs. But what I'm saying is, on player wages, you all have that a fair crack of... The no, no, what, what, I was, what I was going to say is a key component for people signing up to that is that you get rid of relegation. And, you know, the teams are maybe up for doing that if they know that, all right, well, if we have a bad year, then we'll just finish last and then we'll just go again next year. But I think yeah, clubs, but- clubs know they might get relegated. They think, no, no, we want to keep keep forward the option that we can just get our owner to buy as a really good striker in January if it comes to it. Yeah, but you can do because then if you if your if your cap is so high, like in league, whatever, you'll be able to you still be able to go up to that. You still be able to try and buy your way out. I just say I just think in a few years' time we're going to get to a point where there's going to be a player on a million pound a week. There probably will be, but I think if you end up setting a cap, I think you end up with more trouble because you end up with more players going, well, I want the cap. That's it. You, if you're that desperate for me, I want the cap. Yeah, but then clubs can go, well, are you as good as Lionel Messi? No, you're not. So, <laughs> Yeah, on. but then you turn around to that club and go, well, do you, do you want to stay in this division or do you want to get out of this division? Because either which way, if you want me, I want that money. And then that's what that that's what happens. Well, well, and then well, you're paying three million pounds for yeah, Will Grigg. Yeah. That's, that's what happens now. <laughs> yeah, but- yeah, but I'm saying, I, what I'm basically saying is, Lionel Messi is the best footballer in the world, yeah? So he should be on the most money because he is the best. That's, yeah, but that does. depends on age, contract length. That That's not that. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. I think he is on the most money. 
but just because he's the best player in the world doesn't mean he should be on the most money. Because you tell me that every you telling me that everybody in China is then second, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth on the list of best players in the world. All right, you're the best manager at TK Maxx, Cheddars. You you know you find out someone in the Salford shops or more than you. Well, then that depends. That depends on age. I could be the best manager in the world, but I've only been doing it for five years, and somebody else has been doing it for twenty five. I'd like to think that they probably be paid more money than me because they've been doing the job for longer. Why, if you're the yeah, best? But that, that, but it, it, that, that works differently. I don't negotiate my contract every every three years. I think if I negotiate... No, but what I'm saying is... Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. If you're the best at something, you want to, be, you want to know that you're the best at think if, the I best. think if I was... If, no, but you don't, you, don't want, you don't want to be one bad injury away from... Uh, you know, Cheddar goes <laughs> down with a cruciate... <laughs> I think I would like to know. I think if I was running the, the biggest shop that took the most money with the mo- and had the most responsibility in terms of staff and money... I think I would like to be the the best paid the best paid manager, but just because I'm the best manager, if I'm not if I don't have the most responsibility, if I'm not in the if I'm not in the top fifty stores in the country, I shouldn't be paid the most amount of money just because I'm the best manager. And doesn't doesn't that that's that's re- completely regardless. So you're going to tell me? Yeah, but that's I, I would say if say you are the best, I don't think there should be a limit on how much you no, earn. Absolutely not. The market's you know, the market. So the. You know, we shouldn't be get to the point where, oh, well, all of a sudden you've managed this TK Maxx incredibly. It's taking in a billion pounds a week. And they say, well, actually, you know, because because of a law Ross Smith put in place, there is actually a maximum to what... You're right, you are bringing in so much value to the business. We should be paying you a million pounds a week, but, yeah, but uh, why, 600 grand a week is the limit. So why is the salary caps in rugby union then? Yeah, well, it's for different sports, doesn't it? Well, that's because they're trying to keep it even and stuff. But you know, I just, I, I, I just, I just don't think I like the idea of it. I just think you know, if owners are stupid enough to pay it, then I don't have a problem with footballs earning it. Yeah, but then you've seen with Barry what happens, though, and you just you just get clubs going bust. I'm not sure. Would a salary cap have have helped Barry? <laughs> no, I'm not saying it would have. But it, I, I said his loaner would help Barry. I, 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 I don't think a salary cap is. A I don't know where the. I don't know where. I don't know where yeah, the. But, ca- I don't. I don't know where the cap. I don't know where the cap. I don't know how you would even go about sorting a cap out. I don't even know how you'd get clubs to agree to it. I don't. I... And then the, the other, the, yeah, but this the, is what I'm saying. We've got a lot of downside now, so we can we can sort yeah, all this then, stuff out now while we're not doing so anything if, else. So what? So what you're going to say to me is that? So how would it work then from a club going from League Two to League One? Would everybody instantly get a pay rise? Well, no. You've, there's a cap there, so if you can afford it, if it doesn't breach that cap, then yeah, you can you can do what you want. With you can't negotiate everybody. You can't negotiate every everybody's contract in your in, in your club. Every time you get promoted and relegated, every time you get promoted and relegated. No, no, no. I'm saying, I'm saying, there's a maximum. Like, so there's a maximum cap. So half a million pound a week. Boom. We just cap it there now, right? Right. We say we're going and Barry wouldn't have gone bust. <laughs> no, I'm not saying this. But then, <laughs> but then all of a sudden, everything starts to become relative to that cap, doesn't it? So if you say that's half a million, that's the top, that's the, the best players are going to earn half a million, then you start going, well, how close are you to that level? Well, no, no, no. Then you start looking down the rungs of the ladder, don't you, and going, well, no, actually, you're here as opposed to up there. So then... All right, so why, why, why would players agree to this? You are. Why would players agree to this? They're, uni- they're unionised. Oh, the PFA is great, isn't it? Yeah, well, 10 years ago, top footballers in the world were earning 100 grand a week. 
Now they're earning 500 grand a week. So if you're a top footballer in the world who's 20 years old now, you wouldn't want to agree. Who knows what they're... In, in 10 years' time, they might be on £5 million a week. So they're not going to agree to this system where it's, right, well, just because of some arbitrary moment in time, we've decided that 500 grand a week is what top four footballs are in in 2020. That's now the limit going so forward. You're, so you're saying people are going to stop playing football because they can only earn half a million pound a week as opposed to five million pound a week? Well, look, if, if football is, you know, threatened to withdraw their labour, then... Then they... Oh... Sorry, I'll, 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 I'll take it up then. Don't you worry. There'll always be people willing to earn half a million pound a week, Simon. Let's, let's not get into that. And there'll always be people willing to support football teams. I, I don't care whether Messi and Ronaldo say they're not doing it. I'll step in and do it. And people will come and watch me play. Good hell. I think, what is, I yeah. think, I'm losing confidence in my I argument. Think, but I, I, think, <laughs> I think the premise is, Ross, that if Messi and Ronaldo stopped playing and suddenly that Ross Smith was unveiled at, at the Bernabeu, uh, or the camp new. I don't think there'd be fifty thousand people there waiting to see you, unfortunately. Just, uh... You wouldn't be for the next five, ten years. But when David Bellion comes along again and goes, bloody hell, look how good I am compared to these bunch of misfits, we'll all be having David Bellion t shirts. <laughs> you ever want a football team to support, no matter who the bloody hero is, it'll be they could be as shit as they want. But if they score a goal once every ten weeks, you'll be happy. I know you're saying. I know you're saying. There's, you know, coronavirus. There's a lot of time for us to talk about these things and try and find a solution. But I, I don't think it matters how long this crisis goes on for. We will never have a solution where David <laughs> Bellion's the answer. <laughs> All right, Eric Jemba Jemba. <laughs> Welcome back to the last part of the podcast, um, where we're going to discuss what is going on in the rest of the world of sport. Um, as two weeks ago, I think it was now that the uh, the Olympics was po- was postponed uh, for a year, um, along with the uh, the European the football European Championships as well. Um, and Simon, we were supposed to see the start of the cricket season this week. Yeah, it should have been this weekend. Uh, it should have been the return of the county championship. And uh, I think Easter Sunday was supposed to be the first day, but not to be. And you know, cricket is obviously. Sort of slightly in limbo. Uh, when will he manage to play? And, uh, England had a heap of matches, and you know, as it goes on, they'll have to make a decision at some point. And there's a lot of talk that the county championship this year just won't happen, and it may well come down to just sort of prioritising if they're able to start playing in sort of July, August. You know, try and get England games are probably the most lucrative. They'll try and organise as many England matches as possible. I think Josh Butler talked about England playing. Tw- could, England could play twice in a day, and you know put, they could have a Test match going on, and also put out a T Twenty team that night if they had uh, you know and just have t- you know England could put out two teams in a day, and I think they'll just have to be adaptable to to see what happens. The ECB a bet had a lot of money. They had like sixty million pounds in cash that they built up for a rainy day, they invested pretty much all of this money in the hundred. Um, I think they were basically working on the basis that um, (laughs) there would never be like a global pandemic or anything. (laughs) (laughs) So they've had terrible timing. The hundred was supposed to launch this summer. I'm not sure what will happen. You know, even when we get to the point where sport can happen again, 
I suspect it'll be a while before we can freely travel around. You know, they were hoping to get the world's best cricketers over here for the hundred. Will, will that happen? I, I, I suspect not. Uh, and they'll have to take a view on if it's better to just push it all into next summer and and I go mean, big or whatever. I don't know what's been timed worse. The uh, the launch of a new format of the game in the 100 for England to start during a global pandemic or the start of an eSports podcast during a, when there's no oh, sport. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know who you can say he's had, had worse planning than all this. Other than... <laughs> But we'd like to thank our sponsors at the ECB for, uh, for their support. <laughs> Just talking about cricket, I'll tell you what I've been watching on Amazon. Um, what's it called? The Test? Oh, the, the, is that the Australia one? Yes. Is it good? So basically, really? I don't have Amazon Prime or whatever. Oh, it's, absolutely, it's absolutely brilliant. They, they basically have like unfiltered access to everything. So I saw the clip from like there was like a trailer advert type thing of when um, Steve Smith goes out to bat against Joffrey Archer and Archer basically knocks his head off. I've not got to that episode yet. So it basically it starts when Justin Langer takes over as coach. So they kind of it's all about Justin Langer instilling values in the team. So they just they just play. Oh, they're in the middle of the India uh, wins the Boxing Day Test match. They've just finished. With Virat Kohli, so the, but it's it's the, the amount of access they get and the amount they show, it's brilliant. It's absolutely unbelievable. Yeah, that. So if you're a cricket fan, you are missing cricket. The Test is a is a great great documentary to watch. It's also going to have a bit of an effect as well on the um, on the Test series trophy that's supposed to be ne- that's supposed to be done next summer because obviously they can't play the Test series and obviously they can't complete that either. So it's another. Another cricket trophy that is uh, that they're not quite sure what they're going to do with, um, and also it's affected the world of boxing, Simon. Well, yeah, I mean a lot. Uh, I'm not sure when Joshua was supposed to be fighting, but that's been knocked into the long grass. You know, a lot of these big shows. Eddie Hearn seems to have a big show on pretty much every weekend. They've all been stopped, and you know, I, I sort of feel like people like Anthony Joshua is going to be fine. You know, he's already rich, and there's a, a you know a certain level of boxer that works kind of hand to mouth. You know waiting on the fight, you know, they might fight three or four times a year, and that's kind of how they fund themselves. So if you suddenly get that whip from under I was actually, bizarrely, I was speaking to a boxing trainer, uh, Salford's Jamie Moore, in fact, a name drop, and he was saying, because I was saying to him that, you know, normally he, he trains Carl Frampton, and, you know, normally... And why were you speaking to him? Uh, I, well, because... And, it's not always Ross Smith that you book on to, to come on the Live <laughs> My Breakfast show. You're joking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he, he, to be fair to him, he's doing great work uh, delivering food to hungry children, and uh, and should be should be applauded for it. But um, he um, he he was also saying that basically he's telling all these boxers to just keep fit. And normally, Carl Frampton would probably want a ten week training camp ahead of a fight. But what he's saying is, you know, make sure you're already on top of your fitness, and then maybe we'll only need a five week training camp. When, when actually we are ready to, to fight again. But there is a certain level of boxer who is used to a situation whereby, you know, they fight at a week's notice. You know, so I, I, you know, when you start to come down the ladder, you, you quite quickly get to boxers who are, you know, are happy to just be told if, if they'll get paid, then, yeah, they, they can turn up on Saturday 
uh, have gloves, will travel. So uh, it's one of those things, I think, boxing, when we first start get going again, one of the biggest issues is it's not just, all right, yeah, we can all do it again. Let's put a massive show on. It's going to be actually they'll need the time to to train and get sparring partners in and get prepared and, and ready for uh, ready for action. The other thing with boxing, obviously, with the obviously we can't organise fights. How does that affect mandatory fights and? Everything yeah, like well, it's going to be a mess. And, and I think one of the things is um, obviously Joshua was due to fight Pulev. Uh, that was a mandatory fight, but it wasn't a massive earner. And, and what will be interesting to see is. Will, will, you know, will, yeah, will people think, actually, should we just do the mo- most lucrative thing? The most lucrative thing would be for Joshua to fight Fury in December. But I think there's already massive public demand for Joshua to fight Fury. But I can't imagine that after we've had this hiatus of <laughs> no sport, that then people will be happy that we just get... You know, people kind of, t- people kind of accept that... The, the the Joshua Pula fight has to happen because of the notion of everything, all the sport that's going on, like everything that has to happen in normal times. But because we've had this, I don't think people would accept that the first fight that comes back is Joshua versus Pula. Do you know what I mean? No, yeah, I agree. And, and um, you know, someone like uh, Sol Canelo Alvarez, he was supposed to be fighting Billy Joe Saunders. You know, would people be more interested in Alvarez versus Golovkin again? You know, then, suddenly these sort of things are back on the table, aren't they? I mean, one of the things I'm kind of looking forward to, just generally, is that I think because we've all this sport that's going to get rearranged to happen later on in the year, it's going to be absolutely the, the calendar, sporting calendar is going to be absolute carnage, isn't it? For, there's going to be a good 18 months where it's just going to be wall to wall sport. That's what I'm really looking forward to. It's going to be like Thursday night, but, Anthony Joshua's fighting. But then, at the same respect. Is it because this wall to wall sport will that take away from some of the brilliantness of some of the nights? Do you know what I mean? No, I think I think not having sport for three months, I think is, is probably gonna everybody's everybody's yeah, but, desperate for it. I think in the second half of the year. Yeah, but if you go think if you go from a band in, to a feast, do you not quickly get bored of the feast? I, well, the yeah, thing is when is the feast? I, I look forward to, I look forward to the days when we get bored of too much sport again. I can't wait for that to happen. <laughs> there's and and then the que- the other question is when is that going to actually happen because a lot of the stuff in this year has been put back to next year the next year's calendar is pretty much still going to be full there's not a lot there's not a lot there's not it's not a case of stuff in next year's been moved back so next year's calendar is going to be quite tough i mean when i was i was i believe it or not i've done some research for this show that one of the majors for the golf is going to happen a week before the Ryder cup so the the move in yeah, the us golf, open to the golf's not that tiring anyway is it no but it's, it's gonna not... be good as a viewer isn't it oh yeah, yeah I'm, not, I'm not saying it's tiring but to have two of the main events over the course of eight days like the radical only happens once every two years and to have a, a to have a, a a major the week before that it's a pretty big deal and right. it's not exactly you think about the start. You think about how that they would want to prepare for the Ryder Cup. It's probably not playing in a. It's probably not playing in a major. They normally arrive what three or four days before. It's all nice and leisurely, and then. And then it, it kind of starts. So it's it's going to be different prep this year for everybody. Um, I've noticed as well that the only things that seem to have been cancelled is anything that's happening in Britain. So um, Wimbledon's obviously been cancelled this year, will not happen at all. But the French Open's been moved till September. 
So I think, again, the US Open is normally at the end of August, I think, Simon, isn't it? And then September's going to see the French Open. There's no clay court. So what's going to happen there? Because there is no clay court season at all this year. Yeah, but um, I there's just no grass that, that, that's a bit selfish from the French Open, isn't it? Moving it. Well, I think the French Open got, obviously, they got first they got first dibs on it, really, because obviously yeah, but... Wimbledon decided what they were going to do yet. So they've obviously said, well, they didn't know how long it was going to run for. So they've decided no, but was to it not you that uh, sent us that thing? I mean, basically, it seems like Wimbledon quite sensibly have <laughs> been getting insurance. <laughs> so they well, that, can, they that... can just cancel. And the issue is a lot of these sports have got whatever sponsor, you know, actually, you know, <laughs> French tennis probably plans around getting whatever income they make from the French Open. They can't just sack it off for a year, whereas Wimbledon seems to be in a situation where they can, you know, I just mean, step aside. I mean, and say. Wimbledon, yeah, Wimbledon can cash in on their global pandemic insurance that they took out. I'm still waiting for my plague of locusts <laughs> to pay out. At the minute, I, I'm paying in every year, but so far nothing. But I'm sure, fingers crossed, it's going to come. <laughs> You'll be there, think, and then I just think it's a bit selfish to move a whole to move a Grand Slam to a different part. I mean, rolling what is it, rolling Garros? That's where they play. Yeah. Uh, surely they could afford to to have one year off. Well, I think one of the things that's really come out of coronavirus, like in, like it's sort of even beyond sport, is these like massive major institutions that you think are you know really wealthy actually seem to survive on a week by week basis. Like the you know, major businesses, all airlines. So what are you saying? Seems to be incapable of going two weeks without business, and they they they're in danger of going bust. And Richard Branson has to rely on the government for bailouts. Are you saying wage caps might be a good thing? <laughs> no, I think sensible owners. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just say we're talking about Rocky Four? We do like we have little breaks in between to this podcast. In the little break, I went to get another another lager, which I'm on Camden Hell's Lager tonight. Very nice. Went in to see what Claire was doing. She's watching Rocky Five without me. <laughs> well, is that the recent one? Is that the one from a couple of years ago? No, 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 no. Rocky Five? No, that's... Because there was Five. one in about 2006, wasn't there? There wasn't very good at all. Well, it's, yeah, they got worse as he went on. But, again, more live sport than missing out on. Obviously, this week, Cheesy, you've shaved your head. I have, yes. Well, I've actually shaved my head. I'm trying to grow a beard. So this is the longest I've yeah. ever not shaved for. But you, I just look like I've got. I just look like I've got. I'm just look like I'm dirty. So, you, so you've got a shaved head. I shaved my head today, Simon. You've got no choice but to shave your head. So I normally have a shaved head. I actually haven't cut my hair for a couple of weeks. So I've not actually been in work. So I've not had to see any people. So it's, it's sprouting out a little bit. Okay. What I noticed today when I was on my bit of exercise for the day with a shaved head. How cold did your head get? Oh, yeah, you feel the breeze, don't you? Yeah. In places I've never felt the breeze before. Yeah, yeah. It's it's noticeable, isn't it? Oh, it's in, yeah, I got, yeah. I mean, and the top the top of my head never normally got cold, but it did today. Oh, yeah, yeah. But you'll never get hot hair again, so you, you're welcome to join the woolly hat world. Um, that's what I would say as, as a positive. And did you see, did, did people sort of avoid you? Because it, it does make you look hard, short hair. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I just thought people were social distancing. <laughs> <laughs> so friendly, approachable, Ross. <laughs> no more. I'll tell you what, I do like 
the best thing about it is stroking it against the grain. Yeah. Oh, I'm doing that right now. Yeah, that's 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 the feeling. But yeah, I mean, it's a bit. It was yeah, but a cold head. That's that's not something I've experienced before. But there we go. Just wanted to ask that. How have you found a cold head, Cheezer? Uh, not great. I mean, it's started contrast. I mean, I've had it for a few days, so it was started contrast to um, what was it Saturday, where the weather was gorgeous. I was like, this is the right time to do this, and then. This morning when I went outside in, in my flip-flops and my shorts and my, and my bowling head, I was like, oof, I think I've peaked too soon doing this. I've got a bit of a... I've, no, got, a bit of a, I've, got, I've got a bit of an old-school Ronaldo going on as well because I didn't realise until I cut all my hair off that my, my hair's thinning out quite badly on the top. When I, when, <laughs> so when I did it, I was back. like, oof. Mine's not thinning. It's just I don't know if I don't know if it's got better because my greys I don't know if you can see my greys better like worse or more or less to be honest. So I don't know if it's been a good thing or a bad thing. I mean, I, and the other thing you can't get people's reactions at the minute, can you? Like you can only get my family's reaction. That's about it. Unless I send a picture, that doesn't really do it justice, does it? No. So. So I mean, do you think this will be a long term move for you? I mean, it is cheaper. That's the one benefit of it, isn't it? Yeah, so who did it? Claire did it. Yeah. And did, did you just have hair clippers at home? Well, I, yeah, I had some that were very old. And luckily, it charged up and still worked. But when we first started doing it, you know, they like they go, like they're working fine. And then, as soon yeah. as, and then as she put it in the hair, it went, like really slowed down. I thought, oh, what we're going to have here is patchy hair. Oh, that would have made me laugh. I would have enjoyed that. <laughs> but then what Claire decided to do on her own was just do some patchy hair and then stop cutting and then take <laughs> pictures. So um, I look like I'd been to a concentration camp at some point. <laughs> so she took a load of pictures and then carried on and then did it all. She's done a decent job, but yeah. I don't know. It is cheaper, but then I sent it to my mum. My mum said, I look scary. And please don't do the. Please don't give my kids a haircut. <laughs> so I don't think that's a ringing endorsement <laughs> for what I want. Well, like, to be honest, I had no hair from from about I don't know from about maybe sixteen. I think I think for some strange reason for my leavers party I cut all my hair off. I don't know why I did that. And then I think for about two or three years I just had no hair. I just, I, I just, I just, well, I did, I wasn't completely bald, but I just, I, I just remember just having the number one haircut. That's it. Wow. So this, now you're going I, back to, you've really been your youth. I don't know if I look, I don't know if I look younger, but I can't, I just, the thing is, I can't, I can't grow a beard at the bottom of my cheeks, like at the bottom of my chin. So I don't think this is going to last much longer. I don't think I'm going to bother carrying, continue to grow it out because there's nothing, it just, it's I mean, patchy. So, what I would say in the first place, Cheddar, is you didn't look that old anyway. <laughs> no, I, no, I didn't look that old. You're, you're absolutely right. I, I'm quite young at heart. But, um... you, you still could have been ID'd for scissors. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought, I thought oh. with social, actually, social, social isolation, I thought I would try the whole the, the, the beard. So I'd, I'd never gone longer than about three days without having a shave ever in my entire life. And I've gone three weeks, but I don't know. It's starting to itch as well sometimes, so I was like, "Oh, I don't know. I can. I don't know if I can act this." 
So I mean, I can't wait to see a picture. I can't wait to see a picture. Well, you can't tell. That's it. You you wouldn't be able to. You wouldn't be able to tell. When I sent you the picture of my shaved head, I've not. I'd, sh- I'd not had a shave for two weeks. Fuck off. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, I've not had a shave for two weeks. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll double check the date, but I'm pretty sure it was two weeks. <laughs> From the moment I left work, oh, maybe I'd maybe I'd one, maybe two shaves since then, but yeah, I've not. I've, it's, it's, I'm sure it's been about three weeks. Well, there we go. Can't, and you can't tell. I've never ever been able to grow a beard ever. No, clearly. So I don't know how long. I think I might give it another week. See what happens in another week, <laughs> and then we'll call, have to call it quits. I'm I'm going to say nothing. Okay. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm going to say nothing's going to happen in a week. Oh, right, all right. I see what you mean. I was like, it's no good for a podcast. Yeah, if he's not started growing by now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't think in a week's going to really do anything. So we'll wait. Anyway. We'll wait and see. That was, a, that was a fun show. It was indeed. Good teaser for next week, that, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. What, what will Cheesy's beard look like? <laughs> Stay tuned to find out. If there's, if there's any important updates, I might, I might put them on Twitter, but I might not do as well at the same time. <laughs> it just depends how we go. Right, thank you very much for listening, and we'll be back next week. Thank you very much. <laughs>